0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the mailbag. It's lovely to have you with me, Marcus Speller, and that guy over there. Oh, he's just a rascal, Andy Brassel.
1: That has come back due to popular demand, that jingle, hasn't it?
0: And I enjoy doing it, Um, Andy. (laughs) How the dickens are you?
1: Yeah, I'm excellent. Thank you, Spells. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can he complain? Like uh, citizen of China, Andy, I can't complain. Now, um, Andy, we're going to start uh, proceedings with this from the mailbag thread from Russ P eighty three. He says, "Just seen that Kevin Follant left Bayern Leverkusen for Monaco. I've always been quite impressed with Follent every time I've seen him play." Andy Brassel, how do you think he will fare in league? Uh, and will he be back for Ben Yedder or? will Monaco play them both up front? I think he means, will he be a backup for Ben? Yeah? <laughs> will he be back for, I'll be back for him. All right. Um, or will he be, uh, or, or will, or will they play them both up front? Andy, what do you reckon? What do you reckon of old Folland?
1: Um, with the amount of cash they have spent on Folland, he will not be a backup. Uh, he will be part of the, 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 the first team. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. They'll they'll get him in the eleven. Of course, he's someone who uh, Niko Kovac knows pretty well from seeing him at first hand in the Bundesliga um, when he was with Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayern. And of course, he's, he's played his whole top flight career in, in the Bundesliga, Finland. So it's his first experience of of going abroad at the the, the grand old age of of, of twenty eight. Wow. Um, I. I have kind of mixed feelings on Kevin Folland really because he is a player who I think if you watched him regularly at Hoffenheim you would have thought this is a guy who is going to go to Dortmund sort of level of club and then we'll see where he goes from here. Dortmund were interested in him for a while and he's got that Dortmund-esque sort of stature to him in that um, he's under six foot Low center of gravity, pretty quick, can dribble round a player, can can score a goal. He's one of those nine and a half types that Dortmund have have, have loved so much for a for a number of years now. Um, but after leaving Hoffenheim in in, in 2016, he, he went to he went to Leverkusen. And I just don't think he's quite developed into the player that he could have. He's been a very good player. Bundesliga player. Um, but I think when you saw him when he was 22, 23,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you thought he'd be playing regularly Champions League, um, pushing towards playing for a, a very top European club, um, playing for Germany on a, on a on a regular basis. And, you know, in fact, if, if you look at him now, having his first experience abroad, having just turned 28, having played a handful of games for Germany and having scored one goal for them against San Marino, I think it's fair to say it hasn't quite turned out how many hoped it would for Folland. Uh, that said, um, Monaco's a new start. It's um, an opportunity for him to work with a coach who's very aware of his game, um, but to play in like a, a pretty physical, pretty tough league um, and to... to develop and enjoy the trappings of being a top footballer without the hassles of being a top fo- footballer which is one of the beauties of, of of monaco you know you go there and everywhere else you might get stopped in the street if you're a top footballer it's not going to happen in monaco because you're in the probably lowest 10 percent of famous people there so um <laughs> you know you can go around car for unmolested whilst raking in the cash at, 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 at the same time and
0: yeah, would you, know, you that is have been v- molested though, Andy? <laughs> Where would you recommend? <laughs> Naples, perhaps. They're quite mad over there, aren't
1: they? Yeah, I remember that story about um, Ezekiel Lavezzi um, when, when he just signed for <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was talking about how um, they shut shops for him in, in Naples so he could he could look round them in peace, and he'd get sort of driven to the shop in the boot of a car. Mm. he'd get out, go in the back entrance, do his shopping, then come back out, get into the boot of the car and go home again. And he yeah. said, yeah, it's not like that in Paris. And you could feel him getting all wistful <laughs> as if, you know, staying in the boot of a car with your shopping is is, <laughs> is the peak of human existence. <laughs> <laughs> but with Folland, um, I'm really interested to see how he reacts because Monaco is a club where you're either going to be inspired to do your best or you're just going to be comfortable on the money or an atrophy and it really is a turning point for his career because as I said up until now he's not quite fulfilled um everything he could have done and a part of that is um muscle injuries um you know he's he's missed some games here and there and you know he's quite a sprint heavy sort of player so um that's that's not entirely surprising and i think him being part of a young team uh, he will have to be super fit which fortunately for him is something niko kovac specializes in in fact i can't think of many things i would less rather do than a niko kovac preseason. they always look absolutely harrowing um but but they do get players in, incredibly fit so um, interested to see how he, he, he gets on with that. He's a very different type of striker to Ben Yedder as well. So that's why I think the two should complement each other. Uh Volant can play in the center but he's just as likely to come off the the, the, the wing. Um normally the right I would say cutting in because um, he's he's a left footer. Um but he's he's fairly versatile. He's good at linking with other players and Ben Yedder is just your fox in the box. Yeah. The other thing we have to say is they're at least partially vulnerable to selling Ben Yedder at some point because you know, he moves from a less moneyed but far more successful club in Sevilla and then you turn up to Monaco, the first season is very up and down to say the least, despite the fact that he did his end of the bargain. He scored loads of goals, Ben Yedda. And you, you get to the end of it and you've not got any European football. Now, Ben Yedda is a similar sort of age, and, you know, you must be thinking, well, you know, you can't put your money on the mantelpiece, can you? you? You you, want a few yeah. more medals maybe to show for it, and especially for someone like Ben Yedda, who is mm-hmm. part of the national team, who has really improved in the last couple of years, who scored big goals in European matches, who's um, been part of a successful team. I wonder if an offer comes in for him does he think, yeah, I've got to fulfil my potential here because he has done everything that he should have done in order to fulfil his potential, apart from arguably move to Monaco. Um, but you know, I think the club has been way more crazy than than he would have envisaged. It would be interesting to see if it settles down under Paul Mitchell, of course, firmly of formerly of um, Southampton Spurs, um, uh, Leipzig. Whether there will be some sort of stability brought to the club. Um, Either way, I think they need European football this season. Otherwise, even if Ben Yedder doesn't leave leave halfway through this season, he'll he'll leave next summer if they're they're, they're not in Europe. I'm 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 pretty sure of that.
0: Mm. Well, Andy, let's hope he can. They can all win some medals because that's that's what. Yeah, we're all hoping that.
1: We're all hoping that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As uh, a. what was his name? Graham Wesley, I think it was. <laughs> Graham Wesley, who, a very cliched man, as we know. Luke, When Luke was a student, he interviewed him and he said, uh, you know, just for like the student radio station or whatever. And I think he was Farbra Town manager at the time. And he said, What do you hope for this season, Graham? And he said, Well, you know, we're all here to hang medals around our necks, which was just one of those wonderful kind of lower league manager sort of expressions. Um, and uh, he also, he, he came out with a famous line once when uh, a player got sent off and uh, and then he was on the touchline and he felt that one of the opposition players should have perhaps been given a red card, but the referee was a bit too lean. And he shouted, Oi, ref, I've got a boy in the bath for less than that, which was the other <laughs> wonderful uh, cliche thing. Uh, but yeah, well done, Kevin Volland and Graham Wesley. Uh, well done to, to those two. Uh, I've got a question here, Andy, from uh, an email from Mark Digay, who says, uh, I've been very much uh, intrigued by the performances of Anzu Fati and Eduardo Camavinga uh, in the recent round of games for the UEFA Nations League. Uh, there's been a lot of chat, uh, particularly about uh, Fatih in Spain. Uh, Andy, can you shed some light on these two uh, youngsters? Well, Andy, I mean, it's—I uh, mean, Fatty was was brilliant against Ukraine for Spain the other night, wasn't he? he scored, of course, and, it was. and both of them have, have, you know, the youngest players to represent their countries for goodness knows how many years. What do you, I mean, who do you, who do you want to tackle first?
1: Let's go, Fatty
0: first, okay. and
1: I think with with him, it, it wasn't just that he scored that brilliant goal against Ukraine. As you say, mm. Marcus, he ran the show. They just could not deal with him at all. And bearing in mind that it's his, it's, it's his first international start, and he played his first international minutes um, in Germany, um, in Stuttgart a couple of days before that, and he should have had a goal in that game because he scored um, a, a, a nice back post header, but Unfortunately for him, good old Sergio Ramos had been wrestling, I think it was Matthias Ginter, in the middle of the box. So through no fault of Fatty's own, the goal was disallowed for a foul, <laughs> quite, quite rightly, which was probably why dear Sergio was um, so uh, complimentary when he was talking about Ansu Fatty after the game, where he said, look, this this guy's... Super special, and he looks like. And he was talking about Ferdinand Torres in, in 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 the same breath. Actually, he was saying these both these guys look as if they've been playing for Spain for for, for ten years. Mm. And I, I think that's absolutely right. You know the um not not just the the quality because we know the technical quality that he has on the ball, not just the speed, which you know maybe we would expect from a wide player who's seventeen years old. But I think the confidence and the decision-making are just absolutely extraordinary. And what is important to realize is he's someone who's not just a good player and nice for Barcelona to have and a prospect who can go on and become even better in years, years to come. And, of course, he's hit all these historical higher points like becoming the youngest player to score for Spain the youngest player to score in the Champions League, the youngest player to score for the Barcelona first team. Um, he is someone who is symbolically important because of course, we all know now Messi's helped to air their dirty linen internationally. The, 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 the club is in a dreadful state. And um, some people were aware of that before the, the, the 8-2 defeat to, to, to Bayern in the Champions League. But, a lot of it has, has, has seemed to come from, or a lot of it has come from, the fact that Barcelona have turned in like the last five, six, seven years into what they always hated and what they always mocked Real Madrid for, mm. which is just going out and buying success. And Barcelona were always, well, we're more than a club. We're, uh, we represent something, um, obviously, meaning that like they're. Um, connections with with, with Catalan um, mm-hmm. uh, identity, but also oh, the fact that Mezcu they... have and that, Club Andy. Exactly. Um, you can translate that for the listeners. But also, also I, th- I think that the, the fact that they they brought their own players through mm. and, you know, that was seen as as, as part of their, their heritage, part of their footballing philosophy as well. Um, but the players haven't really been there. Um, over the the last couple of years. And, you know, I I have sympathy with that to a certain extent because, of course, you know, once you've got Xavi and Iniesta and Messi, every generation can't be like that. And, and, And PK, every generation can't be like that. But I think for them to have a teenage player who can come through and make a dent in the first team, especially at a point where the first team is struggling so much, is hugely symbolically important for, for, for them and the fact that he seems able and whether you know the pressure on him is relieved because Barcelona you know dare we say it, aren't playing to win stuff or weren't playing to win stuff in the home straight of the season because they fell off the pace in la liga and you know they, they were never really in with the chance of the of the Champions League as they as they proved by the way they went out hmm. I think The the fact that he is able, Ansu Fati, to shut out all the noise and just play, I think marks him out as something special. Of course, there's that great story about after his uh, first game at Camp Nou, where um, uh, he scored against against Valencia um, on his first start. That that would have been back in, I guess, September. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he, He started leaving the stadium. At the end, and um, a couple of the staff said, "Where are you going?" He said, "Well, I'm going to get the tram home." I said, well, "You can't get the tram home now yeah. <laughs> because because you get mobbed." <laughs> and uh, he had to be told uh, by his by his mum and dad to to wait for his older brother, who would then give him a lift. Home. I love that, <laughs> uh, which is, is is just just wonderful. But mm. like to, to to have that sense of you know being, I, I think it's something that we see in Kylian Mbappe, isn't it? We definitely saw with the st- at the start with Kylian Mbappe that it's balance. Because I don't see it now, Andy. <laughs> well, the, no, the balance of like childlike wonder and you know not mm. thinking too hard about stuff, but actually on the flip side being completely confident and you know yeah. I belong here, which I, I, I think is is fantastic. Now, if we come on to Kamavinga, I oh, think yeah. it's, it's it's quite a similar situation really because Kamavinga... Um, made his debut for Wren when he was still 16 um, he's, he's, he's 17 now uh, ne- mm-hmm. nearly 18 um, but he was put into a position uh, this sort of holding midfield position um, when they were um, uh, when, he, when he first came into the first team to do that with a 16 year old to think that he's going to be physically ready is one thing to think that he'll be mentally and tactically ready is something else. And the, the game that really I think caught everyone's imagination was the one against Paris Saint-Germain. So go back to last August, yeah, still before his 17th birthday. And um they 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 beat um PSG at Razon Park Ren and um, he, he ran the show. He mixed it with a, a pretty rugged Paris Saint-Germain uh, midfield, and he, um, and he, and he set one of the goals up as well. And you know, people had seen him at a youth level for a while and thought, yeah, this is a this is a special player because he has the balance of being able to make tackles and also bring the ball forward and and, and dribble round players. So you get the sense that there's a whole attacking part of his game that could be unlocked. But I think to see him do stuff at youth level and then to see him turn up and inspire his team to being Paris Saint-Germain, those are two totally different things. And then to see him produce consistently week after week after week, um, I I think straight away, you know there's something special there. And in fact, we talked about internal strife at at Barcelona was slightly different at Rennes because rather than... Camavinga separating himself from that internal strife. He kind of inspired it, really, mm-hmm. because the previous president, Olivier Letang, who worked at Paris Saint Germain before, he got fired for negotiating a sale of Camavinga to Real Madrid. Ooh. Now, bear in mind that they are going to sell him at some point, and it probably will be to a, a, a Real Madrid type club. And, you know, if you can get 100 million euros plus for him, then great, I would say. Um, in the short term, I think it works really well for him that they've rather fortuitously, it has to be said, with the truncation of the French season, qualified for the Champions League. Um, I think for him to play for his um, for, for his, his, his team that he's always played for in the Champions League is you know a, a perfect accident of fate and will work really well for him, will work really well for Ren, and will work really well for, for France. But I, th- I think... Again, the, the symbolic importance that he has, I think, is shown by the fact that and I kind of overreacted, I think, a little bit to what Letang was doing. Because, okay, there might be divergences on what his future is, but, but realistically, they're going to sell him at some point. And to test the water, I don't think is really an unrealistic or a, a, a bad thing. And you know, it's just like. Someone comes and values your house, you're not obliged to sell it, are you? I I think it's fair enough. But anyway, that's what happened. But it was just water off a duck's back, really, for Kamavinga. Again, he can kind of separate himself from that kind of outside noise. Now, what people might have seen um, in the opening weeks of this season, and um, when we go back to when Ren beat Montpellier in in the opening week of this season, This brilliant goal by Kamavinga where um, he gets the ball about 35 yards out, dribbles around a couple, gets it onto his left foot and and, and scores. Now you see that and yes, he looks a brilliant player, but it also is slightly misleading because it makes it look like he's a number 10. Now maybe he could be a number 10. He's got an enormous amount of talent and when on the first league game of the season the week before at Lille, he wasn't quite... Uh, fit enough because obviously everyone's had this kind of in and out preparation for the start of the season in the weird situation we're in. But when he came on as um, substitute in that, he changed the game and he changed the momentum of the game and inspired a lot of Wren attacking threat and he got them back into the game. Um, so the fact that there's this whole part of his game and the first the first goal he scored for Wren last season, it's was, it was quite similar. He did this little dribble and then scored from outside the box at, at, at Lyon. And you think that a guy who impressed us so much by doing this holding role against Paris Saint-Germain and standing up to their midfielders and, and saying, actually, this is my house. I'm the boss. And even if I am 16, um, this, this is my game. Mm-hmm. To go from that to doing the whole attacking part of the game, it's amazing. And it's one of the things... I love looking at someone a little bit older here, but about Kai Havertz, for example. Yeah, I mean, after quite a few years of first-team experience now, we're still working out what kind of player he is. We're finding out more about him. We're finding out he can do new things that we didn't know he can do before. And if you think of the very best players that you know that you can think of, they take a part of their game that you didn't know was there, and they radically improve it. So all the best players, even... Look at, look at Messi even, will improve something every season. So, you know, if you go two seasons back with Messi, you're like, wow, he's, he's like a proper free kick taker now. Not just a nice free kick taker, but <laughs> the nicest free kick taker. And I think that's the amazing thing about someone like Camavinga, that there are so many little bits of his game that we're just discovering all the time. And because often, especially with young players, You know what it's like? It's kind of like a mini competition on social media to say, oh, well, I saw him first and Mm -hmm. I know all about him. And, you know, everyone wants to say that they know about this player. But the thing is, there's a limit to what you can know with Kamavinga because he's played less than 40 first-team matches. And no one should know everything about him. He doesn't know everything about himself yet. And that is the beauty of it. Not just discovering a player, but continuing to discover them. And that... I think is why he's going to be an absolute superstar because so far we've just seen little hints of all these different things he can do that suggest he can be the perfect midfield player and he's still getting there and we'll be learning about him I think for years to come.
0: Now, I'd like to finish uh, today's mailbag by going back to a conversation that uh, producer Charlie and I had on a Ramble On pod very recently. We were talking about our favourite Premier League thwackers, those who like to thwack the ball. And I noticed on the mailbag thread, uh, John O'Shea, regular, um, I think he said contributor to the football ramble, but then I suppose he does contribute, doesn't he, uh, in his own way. John, we love you, man. Um, and John said that, as, as an aside, one for the thwackers, Michael Essien, he said, now the goals nice. against Arsenal and the volley, uh, the goals against Arsenal and Barcelona leap to mind. Uh, Andy, who would you like to perhaps maybe um, more on the continent kind of vibe put in the, in the thwackers list?
1: Well, with a, with a foot in both camps, and I know this one will appeal to you, Marcus. I don't know if you, you've mentioned him in your thwackers. What about, what about the hammer, Jurg Alberts? Well, you mentioned him? I-
0: well, I did, I think I gave him a brief mention, but because it was Premier League thwackers, we we, we didn't. But I think, I, yeah, I think I. I mean, if 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 we're talking along the lines of people who could hit the ball very hard and accurately, then Alberts had one of the best shots I've ever seen. So I'm I glad mean, because, you've I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned him, Andy.
1: Because funnily, funnily enough, what what I think is interesting about Alberts and when we start off talking about our thwackers, Essien's an interesting one because he's right-footed. And all the thwackers I can think of are left-footed ones.
0: Uh, Alan Shearer. We had Alan
1: Shearer. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, I think... Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, I I suppose maybe we should define thwackers as the ones who thwacking is their key skill. Mm -hmm. Because with Alan Shearer, for example, or with Essien, for that matter, it's just one of a number of skills. That they have. I mean, Jurg Alberts is what defines him. There's no doubt about that. I think you could probably say the same for Hulk as well. Yeah. And remember when he first arrived at, at Porto all those years ago, so that would have been what, 2008, 2009? In his mm-hmm. first game for Porto against um, Belenensis. He uh, took a free kick, and you know they'd seen a bit of his free kick technique in training, and they knew he could really pummel the ball. And it, I mean, he has got leg muscles that you know make Stuart Pierce look like a pipe cleaner. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think they were still doing that thing. It was very on, on vogue in football at the time to have one of your your own team in the wall who then moves out the way. Yeah, and the first free kick that. Hawk lined up when uh, Porto were playing Benalentzic. He had uh, Mariano Gonzalez, um, who used to play for Inter, as the Porto player in the wall. And so he limbers up, he thwacks it. Mariano Gonzalez doesn't get out of the way in time, and it hits his thigh, and it causes a thigh injury that puts Mariano Gonzalez out for a month. Bloody Nora. Now that is a thwack.
0: Yeah, that I is can't a thwack
1: by, by any stretch of the imagination, and um, you know his his thwacking was legendary for for Porto, uh, for for Zenit. Um, now in China, I, 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 I suppose um, another Brazilian thwacker who uh, is very successful in Europe, who springs to mind, Michel Bastos, one of my absolute favourites. Oh, um, played Michel for Bastos. Yeah, played played for uh, Lille, Lyon. Uh, Roma Um, uh, uh, what a uh, magnificent left foot he had uh, 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 it's absolute poetry watching his left foot, I remember him scoring um, one volley against Paris Saint-Germain uh, for Lyon in a, a four-all draw and it was one of those balls that it, it, it was from a corner and it was kind of half cleared, hung up in the air mm. and you know you see the player getting ready to volley it and you think this is come either on. going to be the goal of a lifetime or end yeah. up going out the stadium. Yeah, and yeah. he caught it amazingly. I, I mean, uh, the, I think the, the foot-to-eye coordination, to wait for it to come down, to bear in mind there was a the defender coming in as well, and he absolutely pummeled it into the top corner. But he scored a lot of those goals for Lille and for, for Lyon. Um, I remember, I think in his first Champions League game for Lyon, he scored one against Anderlecht where he Got the ball on the right, pulled it inside, and gave it a th- thwack and a swerve at the same <laughs> time to, right. to put it in off the inside of a post. But he wasn't so successful in that um, either at Schalke or in that small spell at Roma. But he did have one of the best um, presentations to the fans when he was at Roma because he came on the pitch at the Olympico at half time, and you know, like one of the admin staff give you like a scarf and you hold it up in front of the fans to say, oh, I'm happy to be there. Yeah. Someone gave Michel Bastos a scarf that said Lazio is shit and <laughs> he, he just held it up in front of the home end. So even though he ended up playing, I think about seven games for Roma, still thought of as a hero by the Giallo Rossi.
0: Love that. I thought you might have had uh, Giannino Pernambucano in there as Thwackers, but perhaps a bit of an obvious one, Andy.
1: Again, I don't know if, if, if Thwacking was his defining characteristic so yeah, yeah, I, capable, you're going for a, a real purist of, capable kind of, of thwacking th- but not a thwacker I
0: would say yeah you're going for a real purist kind of thwacking in that sense because I mean you could have mm. you see we were mentioning Shearer, Stephen Gerrard who who could thwack the ball quite you know they they absolutely could could smack the ball but yeah they're not defined by it so you know you've interpreted it that way and I love that Andy you're a purist and, uh, and I've got and so a footed one for be, you
1: I've got another Go on. right-footed one for you. What yeah. about Alex, who used to play for um, PSV and Chelsea.
0: Chelsea? Yeah, I remember. A bit, was it against Arsenal, maybe? I can remember a goal he scored, maybe in the Prem. It was a free kick or just nudged to the side. And yeah, He scored of one against
1: Liverpool it. in the Champions League,
0: didn't he? Oh, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of then. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a man! What a player! And what a way to finish the mailbag, Andy. I think that's uh, that's that's some that's that's kind of perhaps closed the Thwacker's chapter. Uh, I think quite um, quite comprehensively. I didn't think it was going to be reopened, uh, but fortunately, Big John O'Shea, uh, you know, provided us with some lovely chat as he, as he has done before. So, thank you, John, and uh, thank you, Andy, and thank you, listeners, for listening to this week's mailbag. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, Andy. What are you going to do for the rest of the day?
1: Um, I'm going to practice my thwacking technique in the back garden.
0: Correct and if, if,
1: if my kids get caught on the thigh by one of the shots, well, it would just be a Not growth for experience a for them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice one, all. Have a good one. See you soon. It's Alex! Oh, what a goal! Sensational!